Yeah, this uh, this Bible study is kind of based on uh, the pastors' conference I went to this week uh, in Anaheim. Um, literally, a stone's throw from Disneyland. Um, I did not go to Disneyland because I need to put milk on the table and bread on the table. But uh, uh, I could hear it from where the church was um, there on Ball Road in Catella, uh near that area. Um, but uh, great conference, and we talked about kind of similar things that we're going to talk about today about communion, uh, the importance of understanding what this true body and blood is and how important it is in, in light of for you, right? Uh, is it spiritual representation? Is it symbol? Is it, is it real presence? Uh, I mean, even saying real presence, a lot of times that can be mis- confusing too for a lot of people about real presence. Uh, so, uh, we're going to talk about this today. At, at the end of the day, uh, the focus is on certainty. The focus is on uh, uh, knowing what you are being given and what assurance you have uh, by, by the word and the promise that God gives uh, through this sacrament. And that, that is the key, you guys. So uh, why don't we start uh, with a word of prayer? Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you uh, for your word this morning. Bless us, O Lord, as we continue on being grounded in uh, the means to which you have given us your grace. Bless us. In, in your body and blood for the forgiveness of our sins. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So uh, the question today, answered, question and answers number 10. I always wonder how many question and answers we're going to have, but we continue on probably till September. I think we'll have question and answers and we'll switch it up then. Uh, but this is a good question. Uh, do the bread and wine merely symbolize the body and blood of Jesus Christ? Uh, does the... Bread and wine merely symbolize the body and blood of Jesus. What does that mean, symbolize the symbolum? What does is, what is symbolize um, just in anything in life? What does symbol mean? What does symbol mean? It represents something without being the, the object. So, so what are examples of symbols in this symbolism? Or symbolize represents, but not truly the object, right? Well, flag. Uh, the star of David. The cross. All right. The whatever it is from the crescent moon or something. Okay. All right. Statue of Liberty means freedom, even though okay. it's a lady holding a torch. <laughs> Have you ever guys walked up the Statue of Liberty? Yes. Oh. I have not. Remember that movie, Remo Williams? No. 87, 88? Remember that movie? He was on... Anyways. Sorry. I watched it when I was a kid. I haven't watched it recently. Remo Williams, anyone? No, never heard of it. Strange kid. Ah, uh, strange kid. Oh, you, you don't even know. Uh, anyways, um, yeah, uh, Statue of Liberty is a symbol. Um, yeah, so when we talk about symbol of, well, when people say it's merely a symbol, and I've, I've known this with people, but I've known this about myself. Uh, in the past, in my past former life, not my, for, I'm, we're not, believe, we don't believe in, 
reincarnate. Anyways, we won't go there. But uh, but uh, what does what does what is the logic of symbolize with being in people's shoes who say symbolize about the body and blood of Jesus? What is their stance on that, or why do they believe that? You think anyone? Well, I think what they're saying is that it's not the actual body and blood, but it just represents it. And I tend to think that that's because we still, there are some people who still kind of reject the idea that it possibly could be the body and blood. Why do people reject the idea that it can be or possibly could be the body and blood of Jesus? What is stopping them from... Science. Science? Okay. Well, I think it's even beyond science. I think it's rationalization. They're trying to rationalize. Well, how can that possibly be? And they can't explain it, therefore it could not have happened. Well, that's nonsense. There are a lot of things that we can't explain. So when we talk about ration, uh, the rationale, or being rational, well, that is brown. Um, <laughs> being... <laughs> Dark brown. Uh, being rational, um, what is it about rationalism or, or what is it presupposing that how could this be according to what? According to what? Reason. To reason, to me, to man, to the flesh, all of it, right? Uh, but when we talk about God things, when we talk about God things and how could this be, um, how many examples in the Bible can we bring up I, how many, I mean, how many examples can we bring up about wrapping our minds around, let there be light. Boom, there was light. I mean, honestly, how, how many examples are there in the Bible of, of our rationale being just crushed by the Lord's almighty work? How, how many examples are there? There's so... The parting of the Red Sea, the... So many. Yeah, if you could wrap your head around God, we got. Um, and what about the resurrection of Christ? How radical and I mean, rationale says I've never seen someone rise from the dead. How could that be? When you're dead, you're dead. Unless I put my fingers into the nail marks, I will never believe. Good. Yeah, John twenty. Very good. Uh, yeah, you know, it, it, uh, how could this be? Now, again, when we look at the Lord's word in face value, everyone could do their, uh, gymnastics with the scripture and say, well, that's just metaphor. That's just symbol. Uh, when he says, this is my body, this is my blood. He really did not mean it. But again, uh, when we talk about, uh, the, the careful, road that we go on, quickly we find our rationale taking over, our human reason taking over, and soon enough we're retooling the Bible the way we think it should be or logically convincing it can be according to our own human wisdom, right? And, I mean, when we talk about our faith in general, this probably does come up in your heart and mind a lot of times. How could this be? But yet your faith trusts in the supernatural in a sense of the radical nature of God and what he gives to each and every one of us. Even in the midst of our sin, we talked about it this morning. 
I mean, how could it be that we need someone to die for us? Uh, the, the, the world and the human flesh says, no, I could, number one, it's to say I could do this myself, or I'm not a sinner, and I can, you know, uh, I can somehow appease a divine being out there if I believe in a divine being and, and be right with him, right? Uh, and that rationale can really take over. And at the end of the day, uh, we'll go back to Dave with rationale, is that what is this rationale rooted in? The flesh and ultimately the fall. Sin, right? So this is what we're really battling with the Word of God, is did God really say, right? It's the devil's adage of did God really say? And here we find that he does say it for what? For you, for the forgiveness of your sins, right? The same people, and I was there once in my life, that think symbol of the Lord's Supper, well, forgiveness of sins, it doesn't happen there. It happened at the cross, but it doesn't happen here. This is just a symbol. So, yeah, you might say it's for the forgiveness of your sins, just as the Lord says, uh, but no, it's, it's just... No, we don't, we don't do that, right? And, and this is always a cause of controversy or, or debate amongst even Christians, uh, wondering the, the validity of what Jesus says, and is it symbol or is it literal? Is it, is it kind of like or is it face value, right? And it's very important because, trust me, uh, it definitely shifts uh, how we view uh, the tangible gifts that he gives to us. Uh, so right here, it says uh, from our confessions, uh, for spiritual means to them nothing other than the spirit of Christ that is present. And, and what uh, uh, we are talking about here in the 1500s is uh, a lot of people would say they would believe in the real presence of Christ. But as you would talk to them even more, that real presence becomes a spiritual presence to them. And it's no longer that true body and blood they are speaking. And this was the time of Luther... Uh, where many were Lutheran, but yet, and many would assume that they believed in the true body and blood of Jesus. But in the 1500s, there were also these people called the cunning sacramentarians. Uh, Those, as we see in our notes, who are known to confess true presence, but only in the spiritual sense, right? So it's like, what's a good example for a Lutheran, a good Lutheran? To believe in justification by grace through faith, but then underneath saying, well, you know, works help too, right? <laughs> or, or something like that, you know, it's just a kind of a little nuance there. And this is what kind of uh, the, he was referring to here. Uh, For spirituality means to them nothing other than the spirit of Christ that is present or the power of the absent body of Christ and his merit. The body of Christ, according to his, this opinion, is, however, in no way or form present but it is only up there in the highest heavens. To this body we lift ourselves into heaven through the thoughts of our faith. Now that's, that's uh, that we should seek his body and blood, but never in the bread and wine of the supper. See, that's the departure right there. It says, this is the difference with the cunning sacramentarians. They would profess no way. Again, how could this be? We're talking about the death and resurrection of Jesus, right? Um, and also, what do we talk about after the resurrection? We talk about the A, the ascension, right? That in his ascension, <laughs> see, Jeff's catching on. I've only been here like, 
I don't know, almost four years, and I play my, I always do that, Ascension, right? Uh, uh, what is it about the Ascension? Why is it, what, what is the importance about the Ascension? Does anyone know why the Ascension is so important? Why is the Ascension important? Anyone? Um, when we talk about the Ascension, it, it is not only uh, does he ascend to the right hand of God after teaching the disciples and, and Acts 1, as we look in the book of Acts, but it is, in, it is in that ascension where not only does he go to the right hand of God, but there at the right hand, what does the right hand of God truly show us? That at the right hand of God, Jesus assumes all divine power, right? So spatially, do we locate him at an address at the right hand of God? Is he there on the porch reading the news and saying, oh, look at the world? Glad I'm not there. Is that what? <laughs> is, is, that, is that Jesus on a porch? You know, on a rocking chair with the coffee? Sorry, I'm, I shouldn't be describing Jesus that way. Sorry. Um, but I, I'm just trying to make a point of, of a lot of people think that this is where he is located. And right here, if that is the location, as it says right here, in no way or form present, but it is only up there in the highest heaven to this body, we lift ourselves into heaven through the thoughts of our faith. So if he is at the right hand of God, and we believe this in a sense of he is just spatially there and he can't be anywhere else, what are we compelled to do? Try and figure out where the right hand of God is. Yeah, and we're, we're trying to lift up and ascend in our thoughts to him. Um, how, conf- how confusing can that be? If we're trying to concretely and with great assurance saying that we have lifted ourselves up in our thoughts of faith to the right hand of God, how, how certain can we be of that, that we've done so successfully? Or with great assurance saying, yep, I've done it. Can we lift? No, can we ascend? You never know if it's enough. Uh, did, I, did I do it right? Yes. And what happens when this becomes symbol? What's the, what's the obvious progression when it comes to this arrow and the idea of symbol right here, uh, what happens to communion? What, what is the view of communion for many people? It comes about you remembering him. You remembering him, you doing something for God, you lifting your hearts to God in a sense of ascending to him um, as if he can't descend to us in his means by the radical means of what he has given in the body and blood of Jesus. So we see that difference, and at the end of the day, as I, you know when you go to a conference and you, you know, you know, pastors, Dane, you know, when you become a pastor, you know, you never stop studying, but never stop going to conferences because, especially good conferences, I won't go there, uh, but, uh, but, but where you study and really get back into it and really, you know, I'm not, you know, conferences, there's a lot of conferences that give you a lot of leisure time to kind of rest and I'm not that guy, you know, I'm like, let's study, let's study, I love studying. Anyways, um, so this one is a study one, and, and it, it always, it reaffirms, you know, a lot of times it reaffirms what you teach, right? And this conference did that for me in a sense of, this right here is, how certain is this view of being with God for the forgiveness of your sins? How certain is this, is this diagram? Symbolism, ascending to God by my thoughts. What certainty is there? 
you might convince yourself for a moment, right? That, yeah, okay, uh, I could do that. But you and I both know that though we try, our rationale can only go so far. And our sin is what it is. And here we are, right here at Base Point. Um, yeah, I saw Everest the other week with the kids. Like, Dad, that was depressing. I'm like, I know, I totally <laughs> forgot. I totally forgot how depressing. <laughs> Do I have to watch these movies before? Anyways, like so many people died on the road up, I'm on the road down. I'm like, I know, I totally forgot. Anyways, um, sorry, kids. I mean, it was rated only PG, so I thought. Anyways, so. Um... <laughs> well, you parentally guided them. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I'm always on the parents' media thing all the time. Anyways, but uh, this is the ongoing debate about symbolism. It's more than just, is this the body and blood of Jesus? It goes deeper than that. It goes to our tangible certainty of what this forgiveness of sins and how it is given to us. And that is the fork in the road when it comes to symbol or true body and blood of Jesus. Not just real presence. A lot of people can say real presence, but if you talk to them, they could say, yeah, he's really present spiritually, but not in his body and blood. No way. How could that be? So is it spiritual or is it true body and blood? And here we see that division. And at the end of the day, it's not, it's all about certainty, right? I mean, I can go on for days about this in a sense of why we come to the divine service. Is it to go to communion and give, is it solely to give honor to God? Is that what communion's about? Is it solely about giving something to him? Is baptism solely giving something to God and making a commitment, saying now is the time I commit my life and now I want to be baptized? Is that, is that what it is? Because when I hear that, because trust me, I'm talking to myself about this, clearly. This is what I see, right? This is the arrow that we see. And if this is the arrow, we need to ask ourselves, where is that, that certainty? Uh, and soon as we go down that road, uh, we are terrified and in despair of what we are facing because no matter how much we try to ascend, uh, thinking that we can ascend uh, in a sense of our thoughts, uh, we find ourselves in a very precarious situation, right? So it all begins, you guys, with this question with the ascension, right? What does it mean that he is at the right hand of God? When we say that in uh, we did say the Apostles' Creed today. Very good. We did. <laughs> oh, I apologize. That's the first time I've ever missed that, the Lord's Prayer. Okay. Anyways, uh, but at the right hand of God, we know that there he comes to judge the living and the dead, that he has all power, and he can be where he wants to be. He is here with you because of the ascension. He is... I will be with you until the end of the age because of his ascension, right? And when he says true body and blood, this is. Drink of it. Eat it for the forgiveness of your sins. Uh, you, you better be sure that because of the ascension, this is, this is true, right? And it definitely reverses why you even come to church. It, it, it's that shift of why you come to church. And it's not because Keegan says, oh, I have to. But it's, well, he might. We all do. We all do. We all do, right? Um, but it's rather, I can't wait to come to church to receive the gifts. That is different. Why do you go to church? 
It's all because of this right here, this arrow. How is it pointing? And here we see, if it's symbol, I go to church to give my time to God, to glorify his name, and that's, that's all good and dandy, right? But even more is what God is serving you in his service, and that is his word and sacrament as this arrow points down to you, right? Very big difference. And until you get that, church can be a burden to you. And when you miss it, rather than saying, oh man, I missed the gifts, you say, oh man, I didn't please God and I didn't check off the box and I am in trouble, right? It's a very different conversation when it comes to all that. But it all gets back to this whole idea of what the ascension means to the right hand of God. And when we know, when someone asks you, where is Jesus? Of course, you might say, uh, many might say, he is in my heart. And then again, if we say that, very confusing that can be too, right? Especially on those dark days when, when we're struggling and, and it's like a roller coaster and we say, wait, where is Jesus? Is he with me? I don't know, right? Uh, but rather, where is Jesus? He is in his word that is given to me in that very word and sacrament that I consume him by the true body and blood given to me in Holy Communion. And that is certainty, right? Yes. But Christ is also in me. Yes. In my baptism, Christ is in me. Yes, that's right. So in that, in that um, train of thought, when we talk about being robed with Christ, uh, that is our understanding in a sense of what has been given to us. I guess earlier what I was referring to is people who, you know, not in terms of understanding baptism, Lord's Supper, the way, the way uh, it says in the scriptures, but rather more rational mind talk of how do you know God is with me, Jesus in my heart? Well, I just, I just know. Well, how do you know? Um, I just know. Yeah, they won't say because I was baptized. Yeah, but, but it's the understanding of baptism and the Lord's Supper that gets us back to how do you know Jesus? Well, I was baptized. I got him on Sunday. And the people would be like, what are you talking about, right? And that's where our certainty is rather than someone who kind of just wavers. Well, I don't, I don't know what to say about that. Well, I know he's with me, but how? That certainty is key, right? According to the holy word of God. So, uh, Marjorie, yes. This seems to be the one question that really separates a lot of churches that otherwise consider themselves to be Christian. And we don't do it with other parts of what Christ said. You know, we don't say, well, if he really meant that it's representative, he would have said... He wouldn't have said is. Exactly. He would have said represents. Because he's so specific on what he says every place else. And he's so specific on what he does. But we don't take issue with that. You know, we don't question whether or not he really raised Lazarus or whether he did some of the miracles. We accept that. As, as a Christian church, we accept sure. that. But this seems to be the one area. Because people saw it with their eyes or saw the outcome with their eyes, right? That 
I think there's even some people that would deny the resurrection of Lazarus because, come on, folks, that doesn't make sense. You're rationalizing. Or Jonah. Okay. Or Jonah. You know, go back to the Old Testament. A lot of miracles. When Charlton Heston parted the Red Sea. <laughs> that was a movie. He was built. He was. He was. Yeah, you know, and this is, at the end of the day, you know, we fight, we fight for assurance. We fight for certainty. Uh, as you know, that's why I teach people before, before they receive the supper, because we are called to care for people's souls. The best way we could care for the soul is to give them the certainty, not based on their own rationale, but on the certainty of what Christ has given by his word. And at the end of the day, that is the goal of the church, is to teach and to bring people to that. So we're fighting for certainty. We're fighting for assurance, knowing that by Jesus' words, we are indeed forgiven. How do you know? And there we see that divide with symbol versus face value. How do you know? A lot of times it's, well, I've done this, I've done that. Um, um, rather than uh, for us, it's the subject of the word is baptized into Christ, you know, uh, receiving what God has given me in his body and blood for the forgiveness of my, of my sins. Of course, all rooted in the death and resurrection, the benefits from the death and resurrection of Jesus and, and, and the gospel, right? But this is the, the constant, I think, back and forth, which we as a church, uh, as a, at the end of the day, are, are always distributing in a sense of the gifts of Christ and the certainty that he gives according for our soul, for the forgiveness of our sins. And that definitely makes, um, that makes driving and getting ready. I know getting ready on Sunday morning is, is, is hard work. Um, you know, especially as you get older, you know, I remember stories, I mean, older, 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 you know, uh, it, it takes, it takes a lot of, it, you know, like blessed be, uh, uh, one of my former shut-ins who died at 93, but she would, Esther up in Washington, she would always, uh, tell me it would take three hours for her to get ready for church, um, at the tender age of 90, 91 before she stopped coming, but it's, there's a lot of stuff there, but she she would always say, well, I, I come because I know that the gifts are there to receive. Um, 
and that is that is a very important testament to what what church is for you for you and that's why church is the way it is that you hear his word so uh great gift uh first corinthians 24 and 25 here on your um uh on in your paper here um if someone could read uh just the verses not the arrows and all that but if you could i'm into arrows now as you know so um but if someone could read that for me Broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Oh, yes. Okay, so uh, here we see um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, 1 Corinthians, um, verse 25. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper. This is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So right here, we see in, in 1 Corinthians, this is my body, which is for you. Um, symbol, kind of like Jesus' body, let's say, if someone says, what becomes of for you? For someone who believes in symbol, what does the for you, what is that? Uh, what is this for you? Um, what is he giving to you in the for you? This, whatever the this is. Yes, this is my body, right? This is my blood for the forgiveness of your sins. True body and blood of Jesus. Uh, now, when you come up to the when you came up to the table today, you heard the words for you. If you caught that, did you hear the words for you? Given and shed for you. That that is for you. His true body and blood for the forgive. You are forgiven of your sins. Like, you are for you, all by the gift that he has given to each and every one of us in his true body and blood. Now, that is, that is such a great gift that God gives to us, a certainty and assurance knowing full well that my sins are washed away by the body and blood that I have been given freely uh, by my Lord. Again, spiritually speaking, if that becomes spiritual to you, all this is out the door. Surely I'm not forgiven. Right? Maybe I can go back to the cross and just stay there and not in this supper. No, you know, that tangible gift is taken away. Just like baptism, that tangible gift that God gives by his means is taken away in a sense of your own rationale saying baptism is just a symbol. Because people will say baptism is just, they can also say baptism as symbol rather than the true working of God in his word, right? And that is, that is the, this is what is, this is the tension that we are facing with certainty is, am I forgiven of my sins? And until the end of time, that's what we're preparing for in the certainty of Christ and his word. That's what we do as a church. That's what I do as a pastor, right? To care for souls pointing to the certainty of Christ in the midst of our own sin. And this is how we do it all by the Lord's institution, his word, right? So this is my body. Spiritual versus true body and blood. And for you, again, that for you, faith as doer or faith as receiver. Now, why do I put that there? For faith as doer 
or faith as receiver? Why do I put those two arrows there? Anyone guess why I... <laughs> anyone know my mind? You probably don't want to know my mind, but uh, uh, <laughs> um, no comment. But here we see, uh, what is faith as doer and faith as receiver um, with the for you? Why is that so important? Why did I put that there? Any ideas? Yes. Doer. You, the whole grammatical structure is you are the recipient. That's, that's the difference. Yes. 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 Do you believe that your faith is passive? Is your faith passive? And, and we go, always go back to Ephesians 2. Is faith something that you gain? No, it's a gift by the grace of God, right? A grace through faith, right? So, uh, justified, right? So, here we see uh, that for you is implying that you are receiving on behalf of you, Jesus gives to you his body and blood for the forgiveness of your sins. You know, think about that. Time, week after week, blessed to have communion here at Faith Lutheran Church in Moore Park, California, 93021, LCMS Congregation, every week. And if you're not having that at your church, um, talk to your pastor and pray with him and urge everyone to do that. But why, why do we do it every week? Is it, is it because, will it lose its luster if we do it every week? Um, every week I look in the mirror and what, what do I see? What do I see in the mirror? Every single, not even every week, every single moment, what do I see in the mirror? I see a... Thank you, guys. Humble thing. Um, <laughs> we have the same mirror. <laughs> surprisingly, some people don't say that, do they, Dave? Some people might have a different holy mirror that says, oh, no, I'm not a sinner. I'm a good person. I don't know what sin is. Um, Brent, did you have a comment? No? Um, But, you know, when we talk about receiving, again, for you, what a great gift this is, right? This is the life of the church. This is the life that you have in his name. How do you know? By the tangible gift that he has promised to be here with you, all starting from the ascension, of course, without the death and resurrection, and also the incarnation of our Lord, we very well know that this, in, in, uh, this ascension would not exist. But yet, because of all this, there in the right hand of God, he assumes all power, and there we have great certainty in what he does and what he wills, there with us this morning in the supper by his very word. Think about that. So, when you tell yourself, I don't, I don't have time to go to church. Um, well, let's say you're coming to church like with a ball and chain on your, oh, I gotta go. Not a ball and chain, but you know what I mean. When you're burdened by, oh, why am I here? Oh, okay, I'm going to show my face and everyone's there, right? They saw me. Okay, that's great. Um, you know, I'm here. I did my attendance. God, aren't you happy with me? Uh, That's not, that's not it, right? I mean, when we think about what we're receiving, this is, this is where Jesus is. It's not, it's not at the soccer game. It's not at the football game. It is certainly here and concrete, here in his body and blood, in his word and sacrament, right? 
Um, and um, I always bring up Disneyland because it's the greatest place on earth, they say on the signage. But actually, oh, sorry. <laughs> you know, I live, my parents live in Anaheim. I think I've been to Disneyland. This is sacrilegious to all Disney people, but I think maybe like four times in my life, maybe. But uh, uh, anyways, um, my kids want to go eventually. I'll be like, okay, I'm saving up to 2030. Anyways, but yes, yes. So we know for certain that Jesus is at that altar. Yes. He could be at other places, right? He can be wherever he chooses. He could be, yes. So he might be at the soccer game, but we know he's at the altar. Well, is Jesus everywhere? Yes. Is Jesus everywhere for you? No. Good point. Very good point, Dane. The seminary teaches you well. Oh, my seminary. Oh, that's right. My seminary, too. That's right. Why am I not surprised? Anyways, so, um, uh, but, um, but yeah, that for you, right? The forgiveness of sins, the benefit. Like, what is more, what, what is more important than that to you in your life? I mean, that's when our, where our idols come out. But certainty. Jesus here with me for the forgiveness of my sins? What, what other place? Again, symbolism is what? Oh, this is my place to give honor to God. Well, I could do that anywhere. Right? And soon enough, it's like, oh, church, okay. I'll, I'll give honor to him somewhere else, or I'll do something better next time. I'll go to church next week. That's a different conversation rather than, I'm a sinner, and I receive the true body and blood of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sin. Not a spiritual forgiveness, like a feeling, but actually I am forgiven of my sin, right? Um, and, and I know my sins are washed away by the tangible gift of his word, that certainty. Um, I know I haven't gone too far yet. But here we see, uh, <laughs> I should get further. Um, uh, but, okay, so, okay, so why do I write this? Okay, though many will ask... <laughs> Uh, you know when you study all day, your head hurts? And you go home and your kids tell you, Dad, 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 are you there? I'm like, yes, I am. And just my brain is fried from all the books. Uh, Though many will ask how, the Lord does not say. However, we are to take his word at face value and trust in our Lord's covenant, right? This is my new covenant. These words of Jesus going back to Exodus 24, uh, the blood of the covenant was thrown against the altar and on the people giving access to God. So it's by that very blood that they had access to God in the Old Testament, Exodus 24. But also in the Lord's Supper, we, by the blood of Christ, in the new covenant, there we have that uh, oneness with God or that access to God by the very blood of Christ. That is what is happening from the Old Testament to the New. Everything from the Old is pointing to Christ, right? Uh, and everything in the New is pointing to what is to come Again, of course, after all this, uh, in his final return. But until then, as we see in verse 26 or verse 25 of 1 Corinthians 11, for as, or sorry, verse 26, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Right? So what that means is you proclaim the Lord's death means that you are uh, uh, resting and, and being, are comforted by the very word of God that is the very benefits from the fruits of the cross and his resurrection, the very benefits that are, are received in that supper, right? 
And again, this is how God is working on you, right? That's why when you say, are you a Christian? Well, I've been to church all my life. Well, what does that mean that you've been to church all your life? It means that I've received the gifts, and I know that God works on me by giving me his forgiveness through his word and sacrament, right? And that is one way to see it. But the other way is I've been to church all my life, every Sunday, so I know God is happy with me, and I'm a good Christian because of it, right? And, And that brings no certainty at all because that's all you. Right? This, the first dialogue that I gave you is what? Is that this is where you are certain that when you do take your last breath, that is my goal, is to prepare for you for that last breath, knowing that you are certain of who you are by the gifts that were given to you in the gospel and the sacraments, right? And this is, this is um, why it is so important to hear God's word. Uh, okay, so, um, through the word... No matter whether you are worthy or unworthy, you have here... Oh, okay, that's why I wrote that. You have here his body and blood, the power of these words that are connected to the bread and wine. Sorry, that was a weird run-on sentence. But here uh, from the Solid Declaration, we see uh, that what makes the sacrament at the end of the day? What makes the sacrament? Is it you? It's his promise. It's his promise in the word. (laughs) Sorry, I used to teach the kids at Concordia in... in uh... Oh, you know what I do. You know, you know, I'd have the same mannerisms when I'm trying to give you the key word there. But by the word, right? So what makes a sacrament is very important because if it's by that very word, it's not contingent upon what you have done. It's not whether you believe or not. Whether you believe or not, it is the body and blood of Jesus. Whether you believe that or not, as it says in 1 Corinthians 11, that's why we teach people before they are to come up, is what? Is because you can bring judgment upon yourself. It's actually the most loving thing to safeguard people. You know, and that, again, safeguarding people and protecting them is is what we do, right? Out of love for a neighbor. So, so again, you know, when we talk about... uh, uh, being worthy or unworthy, it doesn't change the fact that by the very word of God, this is the body and blood of Jesus. And that should give you certainty, knowing that I'm a sinner, but yet by this word, I am forgiven of my sins. And if we brought up the laundry list of what we have done in our lives, even yesterday or this morning, we very well know what a comfort this is to receive and hear those words of Christ, his true body and blood for the forgiveness of my sins. Right. Um, as I said last week, I think, with the pie chart, I think, uh, with how easily we can get so spread out with the things of the world and how it kind of infiltrates us in so many different ways, here we get back to the word and we rest in what God gives to us in his forgiveness. And at the end of the day, that, that is your certainty. You'll find yourself when someone says, are you Christian, as you are deep into the word, you're not saying the platitudes of the world. You're saying the subject to the verb, Jesus, baptism, Lord's Supper, what he has given to me. And that's a different conversation than someone who might kind of go on the periphery and the surface saying, yeah, um, I think I'm with God. I've been a good person, right? Um, I'll, I'll always go to God. And, you know, as, as long as we're good, God will probably be happy with us and we take it from there. So that's not certainty. Not at all, right? You can't find certainty in yourself, sadly. You can't. It's only by what has been given to you. So in light of that, 
It's already 10.15. All right. Question within a question, and maybe we'll go over this next week because a little bit. Uh, should we view the sacrament as gospel? Should we view sacrament as, are they on their own? If we had a salvation story, are they kind of, if this was kind of like an ocean, is the, the death and resurrection of Jesus kind of on this little island, death and resurrection, and the sacraments are on um, this little island right here? Is that, oh, hey, you guys, how you doing? Oh, we're good. We're, we're a distance apart, but uh, yeah, it's been a while. I mean, what is this how we view the sacraments? Are they like on their own little island saying, okay, sounds good, gives me the forgiveness of sins, but yet they are detached, kind of on doing their own thing? Is that? Sorry, I never thought I'd bring up an island and the sacraments and the word like this. <laughs> but do you know what I mean by this? Any thoughts on this? But isn't that how so many people see the Bible itself? The Old Testament is over here. That's way Sure, good point. Okay, and they'll hold it totally separated from the New Testament, when in fact you can. The very reason for, you know, Paul saying you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes, what is it that was accomplished by Jesus' death? It was the fulfillment of the Old Testament sacrificial law. That's why we use the words Lamb of God. That's why uh, John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Because he was the sacrifice at that one time for the sins of the entire world in the past, the present, and the future. And you can't can't separate all that stuff. That's right. When we do that, I I think like with the gospel, we, we, we take the gospel and we just need the gospel only when we're unsaved, say but we don't, once I'm saved, the, the gospel is, you know what I mean, it's, it's over here. You know what I mean, uh, baptism, mm. all that's over here. I'm, I'm already saved. The gospel is for those that are unsaved out there. Oh, and all right. As I start to study more, no, I need the gospel every day. I need the gospel. Todos los días, that's right. All the time. You know, all the time. For siempre. He gets the gold star. <laughs> That's but, right. you know, there's times I didn't see it as that, you know, well, that, that, that was, that was when I was unsaved, I, you know, I got saved and now, you know what I mean? I need to be obedient. I need to do these things to get closer to God and say, man, I need the gospel every day. And, and in that light, Brent, you're always, uh, if you're in that vein, you're always trying to search or stay in certainty. Like you're always trying to stay in that realm of yeah. certainty by what, you do or by what you have done, if ga- the gospel is just kind of like, it's for the unsaved and yeah. I don't really need that. Any- like, yeah. Kind of a lily pad where it's okay, that was one step, now I get to live my life as a Christian, I need to stay there. Yeah. You're trying to stay afloat in certainty it by what... Bur- it becomes burdensome. Yeah. You're burdened down by it. Yeah. That's right. And what happens after you're burdened down by it is you give up and say, I can't... Despair. You're, you're I, can't- done. I can't do it. I can't live this Christian life. I can't, I can't do this. Yeah. And of course I can't do it because I'm sinful. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I- you know, but you, you, you get caught up in the works. You get yeah. caught up in the obedience and the, you know what I mean, all these different things. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I've got to be a better Christian. But see, that's what a true understanding of the law and gospel really does for you. You understand that you can't do it. And that's why you have to turn to the gospel. And the yeah. Forgiveness. yeah, so, I mean, concluding today, 
when we talk about the gospel and the sacraments, of course they are connected, right? Without the gospel, without the death and resurrection of our Lord, there are no benefits given. Without, uh, this is the for you, this is the for you, this is the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the arrow pointing down to man from God to man, bestowing his gifts on you in Christ and the sacraments. It is Jesus who actually does do what with the sacraments? He is the one who institutes them, right? He is the one who commands them. This is not just a tradition. This is what Jesus institutes, right? And this is the benefit of his death and resurrection is these tangible gifts for the forgiveness of your sins, right? This is the way that you are forgiven. Of course, the cross and his resurrection forgives you. But also, in the same way, he gives you this gospel through the gifts, the forgiveness of sins. How do you know you're forgiven? I receive the body and blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of my, of my sin, right? All by the word uh, in the bread and body, or the, the body and blood, the bread and wine of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And, and, and this is... This is the key, you guys, right? Again, it goes back, we'll close with here about what Brent said about the gospel and then we just kind of go on trying to keep up or whatever, like that, right? And I've been there too, trust me. It's very burnout-y, you know? I learned that in seminary. <laughs> but uh, but uh, it, it's, a, it's a cause for burnout, right? But I think that's what we talk about the gospel, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, I forgot. But um, burnout kind of got me off. But, uh, uh, but when the gospel becomes an afterthought and we're, we're trying to find that certainty, um, there, there we do not flee to what is true in a sense of what God gives to us. There we are still searching for uh, that certainty in other ways. And, and if that's the case, we're done, right? The devil's got us. And we're searching in the wrong places for that certainty. You know, that's why when you feed on the Christ, trust me, your being, increase, decrease. What's increasing? Christ. What's decreasing? Yourself. And uh, what people might say, wow, we, we already know that. Or the, why do we do the sacrament so much? Oh, it loses its meaning. Uh, or why do we hear about the gospel so much? Uh, we are to give us a better, better word that will be applicable to our lives. And, and at the end of the day, I smile and say, um, I'll we'll just give you the gospel even more. So uh, this, is, uh, this is the key, and we'll give you the sacrament even more because this is where we find our certainty. And I pray that uh, we'll, we'll continue on with this handout next week uh, on the next half because I think it's important stuff here. But remember that. The next time uh, you think of the sacrament and you think of your sin, remember you must ask, how do I know that I'm forgiven? And there you flee to what has been done for you. And that is the life of a Christian. For you, for you, for you, for you, right? All right, uh, let us pray. Dearly Father, we thank you for this day. Uh, we thank you uh, for your word. Lord, we know that you give us these gifts and that you comfort and give us the remedy, the medicine of, of immortality, the forgiveness of sins through your body and blood. Bless us, O Lord, in this feeding and grant us great comfort and certainty knowing full well that we are your own by what you have done for us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Bible study presentation from Faith Lutheran Church in Moore Park, California. For more information, visit us on the web at faithmoorpark.com.